watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Beheim! Wow, does that silence it a little bit. DeVito backs up, throws deep, has Harris right side, and the catch at the five, and he tumbles into the end zone. That's a touchdown from 46, and the Orange are rolling. The Bills make me want to shout. Allen looks to his left, fires left side. It's going to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On the Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio, 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, heard on 96.5 FM, also heard wherever you are, whatever you're doing on the ESPN app, find us in the audio section there and uh, take us out with you on a beautiful summer day, August the 3rd, here we are. Still summer, you know. I think a lot of people get to August and they start seeing back-to-school commercials and things of that nature, football training camps coming back. It's, hey, it's you still got a month, man. We, it's still summer. You know it's summer when they're rocking in Weedsport, and you know it's summer when we're rocking with you here on the airwaves, right? So while you're still out and about enjoying summer, maybe out of town in different places or just enjoying the terrific weather, you can take us with you that way, but uh, another terrific way to take us with you, watch the show, live chat throughout the show. I mean, look, you can give opinions all day. You can be in there with a fellow community of fellow Syracuse sports fans opining on what we're discussing or have your own conversation. Do your thing, man. Get in there. Get your own conversations during radio breaks. The radio audience goes to commercial break. But there is an audience that gets their own show, their own content, their own world. Where is this magical place on the internet? QSportsTalk.com. QSportsTalk.com gives you all of that. So however you're taking in the show today, we certainly appreciate that. If you'd like to be a part of it, 437-7644. You can tweet me, Brent Axe Media, or as mentioned, the live chat at QSportsTalk.com. Michael Lair joins us later in the show, as we will discuss during the program today, and certainly we'll discuss with him. Bayheim's army goes for a million tonight. One million dollars. It's, it's amazing in this world how billions of dollars has become more natural. You know, Jeff Bezos and all these millionaires flying into space and numbers we never thought one human being could accumulate. But there's still something that rings true that is magical. ESPN has it right in the banner, right? The tournament for $1 million. And it's not like each player gets $1 million. They each get, like, whatever it would be, 50, 60, 70 grand, depending on how it's dispersed. But there's still something about that. There's still something about $1 million that makes you perk up, right? And that's what's on the line tonight a TBT title. Jim Beheim will be in Dayton to see the namesake. 
Bayheim's Army, Team 23. Don't forget, we have coverage for you right here on ESPN Syracuse, 8.30 pregame, 9 o'clock tip time. So Michael Lear on the call for that game is going to join us at 5.20, and we will preview the matchup against Team 23. If you missed our chat with Chris McCullough on yesterday's program, you can always head to ESPNSyracuse.com and check that out in the audio vault. So plenty of Bayheim's Army discussion today. I want to start ramping up the SU football talk as we have been. Camp starts later this week and we'll be underway. We'll go on the blind side. A busy day yesterday with the breaking news of Coach Q's resignation, and we'll get into that here shortly and, and kind of the latest that's developed there. But I did not get into something with the Bills make me wanna your Austin Bills. Which can I just say right off the bat how ridiculous that is? And if it does happen, look, I'll fly to the moon with Jeff Bezos before they're the Austin Bills. That's just a load of crap. But I do not like it when owners threaten moving when they want a new stadium entirely funded by taxpayers. Not to say taxpayer money can't contribute to a new stadium in Buffalo, but how the Pagulas have not handled this well so far, but still can save themselves here. We will get into that during hot takes. But I do want to start with the latest on the situation with Coach Q's resignation and where where that's gone. If you did not see it this morning, Chantel Jennings was on earlier today, and I'm going to play a couple of clips from her interview, but she was on Orange Nation today. Uh, from The Athletic, Dana O'Neill also writing the story. Coach Q resigns yesterday, the investigation wrapping up into his conduct as a head coach, and they had some more details, some more former players on the record, and some more disturbing aspects that not only fully justifies any doubt of why Coach Q, one way or the other, could not go forward as the head coach of this team, and in this case he resigned, but Syracuse certainly would have been justified in firing him, and now the questions are abound, as I wrote a column about today, and why Coach Q was allowed to do this as long as he was, why he was enabled, and why I think there's there's a crack in John Wildhack's leadership, and there's other names certainly mentioned in that athletic article that have to be, at the very least, called out, questioned, and they will have their chance to speak. I want to be fair about this. I want to be objective in the sense of Syracuse is waiting for the investigation to wrap up. They're going to respond to some of these things. They're going to have their say, and we will give them the platform to do that and be fair about that. But there are some big questions here, some big questions, particularly why Coach Q was enabled to this point, why when student-athletes who felt threatened in any way, if that was mental abuse, if that was a story, including a detail that a player needed their somebody who has asthma and they needed to get, I'm forgetting the name of the, of the device, you know, the, the thing that you, you kind of, Josh, what's that thing called? I'm having a brain cramp here. An inhaler, thank you. So you have a player who is doing sprints at a practice, has asthma, needs an inhaler. This is a simple medical thing. This is, you are looking out for the safety the physical well-being of a student-athlete, and Coach Q threatens that player, this is verified by other sources, to not go get the inhaler or she doesn't play in the next game. I mean, right there, stop what you're doing. At the very least, that's a fireable offense. At the very least, that's you don't do that kind of thing again or we're going to fire you. That kind of thing gets reported. Other things sent up to compliance 
it gets back to Coach Q, and Coach Q threatens the players on his team in practices and other settings trying to, quote, find the rat because somebody felt threatened enough, felt uncomfortable enough to go to the authorities, the adults at Syracuse University tasked with looking out with their well-being, and it's met with that, or it's met with silence, or it's met with unsatisfactory answers. They'll have their chance to answer those questions, but I am very curious about that. I said it on the show yesterday. I will repeat it with some of the new details, but just with the circumstance itself, even without the new details today. How was this allowed, this environment? Why was a coach who was now no longer employed by Syracuse University, approved by John Wildhack on down, who had a clear sexual harassment charge there? Now, maybe that was investigated. There wasn't enough credible evidence to hold back on it, but hire someone else. Right? There's just so much stuff coming out where you're like, why was this justified? Why was this enabled? Well, we know the answer to that. When you win, there's a lot of things that get brushed aside. And that's unfortunate. It's not the primary reason. It's not the only reason, but it's certainly a reason. You can go through the details in that story. We discussed the one with the inhaler, the behavior of the coach. Now, a lot of coaches say naughty words, and they challenge players, and they're a little overbearing at times. But what we have discovered in this, mixing in, having authority over a team, looking over their safety and well-being, their mental health, which is now a big part of this, pursuing in a very competitive environment a winning program, which they're all tasked to do, satisfactory in terms of playing time, being a part of a community and a team, all that, right? Where is the line? Where is the line of just being tough, tough love, tough coach, and the line of being inappropriate in how you address a team, how you handle young women, how you handle... 18 to 23-year-old young adults trying to find their way in the world, how you interact with their family and their parents, text messages that you're sending them. Guess what? We found it. And we found that Coach Q stepped over that line too much. Unless, again, if Syracuse has some sort of pushback on some of these details that they want to reveal, go right ahead. But we got to the point yesterday where he resigned. So... You want to finagle every detail in there, we can. Your coach resigned yesterday after a month-long investigation, shortly after he talked to investigators. This is just unacceptable, and I'm curious how it happened. And, again, you cannot draw a straight line between these two things. But you can at least say, okay, well, got to the point with Chase Scanlon, somebody who should have been removed from campus long before a tragic domestic violence event that happened a pattern of behavior that they had to know about. And if they didn't know about, that's a bigger problem. If it was stopped on the desk of John Desco or somebody within lacrosse, they tried to keep it quiet. You can't plead ignorance there. There was enough there that he did not deserve the privilege of being on that team. And you can throw legalities at me and certain procedures about things. You had an opportunity to address that before it became a federal issue and there was nothing you could do about it. Coach Q fit that category in the sense of there was enough there. There was a pattern here. There were enough people that spoke up, went to people they trusted in compliance, in administration, the person tasked with looking over that team. And I don't want to say all of them 
certainly. I don't want to say all of them were brushed aside. Certainly a lot of those concerns were addressed and looked at. It's not like Syracuse just you know, threw it in the round file every time. That's not what happened. But certainly it didn't get handled properly. And by the way, this extends beyond Wild Act, to be fair. This goes back to Daryl Gross. Now, again, that first incident in 2010, which was brought up again in the athletic story, it was looked at, and he was, air quotes, cleared, but cleared by whose standards? And a response from Daryl Gross that, you know, we are satisfied with the results of the basketball program, more successful than ever, under Coach Q. Well, that's not the freaking point. The point is you had some of your student-athletes expressing concerns about behavior not only on the court but off it. And it took this long to get to the point where you felt like, well, we better address that. And by the way, if that athletic story doesn't come out, Coach Q is on the con right now. John Wildhack, I played the clip. I'm not going to beat it to death. You know it by now. Gave a full-throat endorsement. Not just, hey, we think he's doing a great job and he's going to go forward, did a hell of a job navigating that transfer portal, huh? No, we appreciate the values and the standards that he has as a coach. He took it to the nth degree. He gave him a hearty, full-throat endorsement on June 15th. He will have the opportunity to lay out what he knew at that time. What he did not know was the athletic story was going on. He certainly knew at that time... And look, again, I'm not absolving local media here. We did not do our job. We dropped the ball on this. It's not for lack of effort. We looked into it. We talked to people. We couldn't get the proper procedures. And I I don't want to speak for everybody out there. I can speak for myself. I can speak for certain procedures I knew we did at Syracuse.com and what I did independently and and some other colleagues that I, I don't say their names on the air, but For those of you saying, like, how did you guys not ask about this? We did. But where you are right, where we have to eat some humble pie here is we didn't do enough. We didn't do our jobs. We failed. We did not present an environment where those players could feel like they could talk to us. Now, part of the reason why they felt that way was clearly they were intimidated by Coach Q. It wasn't worth it to speak out against it because when they went to compliance and said this happened, Coach Q would pretend there was a film session, according to the athletic story, come to that film session and be like, who's the rat? How does that go on? You're telling me none of that filters up to the top? I'm sorry if I knew some, not specifically that, but some of the things we were hearing, if that's getting to me, They know 10 times more. So they clearly have some explaining to do, which they will have the opportunity to do. But through all of this, through all of this, Coach Q resigned. They will have their opportunity to speak, and it better not just be Wild Act. This goes right to Kent Severud. The chancellor needs to address this. He needs to get out publicly and say, here's where we're at with this. So Wild Hack's legacy now has a crack in it. And when you're overseeing an athletic department and a lot of individuals and people and egos and 18 to 23-year-old athletes, I understand there's going to be missteps. You can't be everywhere at all times. And you are trusting people, you are delegating people to do the right thing. That didn't happen here. There was a breakdown here. There was too many breakdowns here. There's going to be procedural misses. There's going to be, it's a big operation. 
Okay, turning an aircraft carrier is not an easy thing. But there were way too many breakdowns, too much enabling, and for what? Because you had a coach that made a consecutive run of NCAA tournaments because he recruited well. Because, and again, this is our fault in the media for falling a little bit too much in this trap because he dressed well and wore fancy glasses and was passionate on the sideline. And you could kind of present this guy as somebody who clearly wasn't what he presented himself to be. For what? You are tasked with overlooking the the safety, the well-being, physically and mentally, and, and many other things I can list here, of these student-athletes. And you clearly failed at that on a number of occasions. Clearly. Because we're where we're at here. You don't need me to tell you that's your responsibility, that's what you do, because you know that. And we have pointed out plenty of the success stories there. But clearly there were some big, big failures here. Big, that we may not have heard the last of. So we found the line. If anything that will come out of this, in this merging world of how you coach in 2021, and again, let me reiterate, there are plenty of coaches that can get across a atmosphere of discipline, expectations, but also have fun, but also make it an enjoyable experience. Think of what Kayla Trainer said when she stepped up at that podium and was introduced as the women's lacrosse coach and said, my time at Syracuse was the greatest time of my life. I met people that I will know forever and prepared myself for the world. And yeah, we won a few lacrosse games too. I'm paraphrasing what she said there, but she certainly said it was the best time of her life. You got multiple people in these stories quoted as saying, I don't like sports anymore. I can't watch basketball anymore. My love for the sport was taken away by that man. The man that was tasked to enhance your basketball career. The man that you took in who talked to those parents at one point in time and said, I will take care of your child. I will take care of them. I will look out for their best interests. That clearly was phony and not true. And here we are. That breaks my heart to read that. These are not a few kids that were disgruntled because they didn't get to play. This is serious stuff about mental health, how they were broken down, physically denying them an inhaler, if that story's true, and I have no reason to doubt it. We heard in the prior story about not letting athletes have water, about pushing too hard in workouts. And again, you're trying to find a balance or how hard can I push, how physically can I go? But when somebody clearly gets to a point where you've hit that line, okay, you're not Herb Brooks in Miracle saying again, again, again. That was a movie. For what? For what? We have clearly learned in this day and age it can be done without being a tyrant. It can be done without all the details that we've heard. So at the very least, what will come out of this is we found the line. Just in case there was any doubt about where the line exists in 2021, we found it. And Coach Q went over it. So take that lesson going forward. Don't do that. You never want somebody who was on the con and a part of your program to be the example of that, but we found it. And I I shouldn't say we, the athletic found it. Journalism found it. People willing to speak up. And clearly an environment they felt intimidated not to for a long time. For what? And it was enabled by a number of people up there. 
who will have their say, and we will give them the platform to do so. But I'm, I, I'm all ears. I am all ears how you will defend that. I am all ears how on June 15th, the athletic director stood at that podium and gave that hearty endorsement of somebody who clearly did not deserve to be the head coach. So at the very least, that's changed. Where they go from here, candidates for the job, I mean, that'll all work itself out here. But to see the details in that story again, and if you want to say, well, they're picking and choosing these stories, if it happened once, that's not acceptable. And I get the competitive environment and people saying certain things. And you can say, well, what about this coach saying this? I mean, athletes have a certain tolerance for being coached hard, for hearing naughty words, for being challenged, for being told you're no good for being you know, like just things you say to athletes to motivate them. They all have a certain tolerance for that. But there were way too many cases here where this went over the line and what was done about it. You are tasked, you are there to do the right thing and you looked the other way or just actually looked right at it and chose to ignore it, which is even worse. Four three seven seventy six forty four. The chat is open at QSportsTalk.com as well. So we'll see where this goes. The findings and the investigation to come, and Syracuse will have their say, and we better hear for the chancellor. Okay, this goes right to the top. This happened on your watch, too. Prior chancellor as well, to be fair. We'll, we'll probably never say a darn thing about it. But you got to address this. you got to be culpable for it. And what's the plan going forward? To foster a better environment. For these student-athletes to speak up if, God forbid, this is happening now or happens again. What's the plan? Because you need one. You need a better one, that's for sure. We will get into Bayheim's Army coming up, and don't forget Michael Lair is going to join us later in the show as the pursuit for $1 million is underway. I'm <laughs> you think I was fired up about that? I'm trying not to get too emotional about this Bills thing. It's early. It's a negotiation. I've seen this done a million times. It's funny how NFL owners go to the same playbook when they do this stuff as if we haven't seen it before. The end game is going to be the Buffalo Bills are going to be the Buffalo Bills. They're going to play in a new stadium. That's the end game. That's where we will get. But the back and forth that's going to happen and the amount of eye rolling that's going to happen to that point is going to be unbearable. So just kind of strap down for that, Bills fans. We'll get into that. And so much more. But before we break, let us find out what happened on the markets today as we do at this time every day. And the man himself, Lee Baldwin, is here to do that. Lee, happy Tuesday to you, my friend. Happy Tuesday, Brent. Your plate is full today, so I will be brief. Uh, markets closed at all-time highs. So that'll make you feel better. So uh, we are green across the board. My diamond, I'm going to Casino Gaming Company, Caesars Entertainment. They were up 2.5%. And... Speaking of gaming, my dogs were the online gaming stocks, as the Chinese media called it, spiritual opium. Okay. Take that for what it's worth, that's, yes. That's one way to put it, huh? <laughs> that is one way to put it. Uh, so with that, good luck to the Army tonight. Thank you, Lee. We'll talk to you soon, my friend. Lee Baldwin is at Lee Baldwin & Company, and you can find them in Cavs and Utica. You can find them at LeeBaldwin.com, and make sure you have all the diamonds and none of the dogs on your portfolio. Yes, the Army in the pursuit of $1 million and why that still strikes a chord. We'll do it next. Stay right there. 
Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. And it is, friends. Welcome back or welcome aboard. However you are joining this program, we are glad you're here. And this program is in many places. It's in your ears on the radio at 97.7, 100.196.5 in Utica. It is all of the senses. All the workout you get, listening, watching, typing in the chat, being a part of it at QSportsTalk.com. Michael Lair joins us from Dayton later this hour. We'll preview Bayheim's Army against Team 23. $1 million on the line. Get a sense of Team 23. It was interesting to hear Chris McCullough yesterday discuss that he knows a lot of those guys. I'm sure he's in Jeremy Pope's ear trying to put a game plan together, figure some things out. Uh, I'll say this a couple more times on the show. I would really encourage you, even if you don't have Twitter, you can pull it up on Twitter and watch the video that Tommy and Mike put together. A little hype video for the game tonight. It's on our ESPN Syracuse Twitter feed. I put it in our uh, chat at QSportsTalk.com if you want to pull it up there. Unbelievable. Just great job on that. Got Devo to kind of voice it a little bit and mixed in with some highlights and some music. And it was just like, let's go. I'm ready. I can't wait four more hours for this game. But you'll hear it right here at 9 o'clock, 8.30 pregame. We'll talk to Mike coming up on the other side of this break and then uh, the blind side to come after that. It's about 5.20 or so with Mike. But SU football is getting ready to get underway. By the way, if you want to chime in on the Coach Q discussion, maybe you had some time to marinate on that, see what's happening, developing situation. I mean, the biggest thing has happened. He's resigned. But what's going to happen with administration? What are they going to say? What are they going to address? Will there be any other fallout within SU administration? I mean, they clearly had some missteps. The system broke down. You had players reaching out for help, having that be put in their face by their head. I mean, the person that had to be held most accountable was, and that was Coach Q, without question. But I think there's some other people that that failed at their jobs, that they are primarily there to do. And we'll see where that goes and who we hear from and who we need to hear from is certainly some of the parties involved, but I want the chancellor in front of a podium answering questions about this too. What did he know about this? How did he address it? How did he approve some of these things? And he's got a wide scope to go over here. It's the entire university. And I understand that, but this has not been good and more details coming out about this and and the environment that was fostered there. It's just, it's just, it makes me very, very upset. So we'll continue to monitor that and, and see where it goes. But, Let's have some fun and, and get into some things happening starting later this week. So we've been kind of looking at some of those issues with Syracuse football, and I'm just going to come out with it now. I'm going to come out with it now, and if I am wrong on this, I will surely be reminded of it. But sometimes you just got to put it out there because if you're right, if you're right, which no one will remember, no one will remember this if I am right about the following thing. But that's okay, because I'll know, and I will remind you. And Josh will remind us. Both quarterbacks are going to play. That's my prediction. I don't think you go get Garrett Schrader, you recruit Garrett Schrader, you bring a player who has options in the transfer portal in to compete. He's going to get on the field. Now, I'm not proclaiming him to be the starting quarterback, because I think he's 
Got to earn that. I think camp will determine that. They did have spring ball. He did have all opportunities to integrate himself, to impress, to at least put the coaching staff in the position where they're going to give him the opportunity to do so. They went out and accomplished the most important thing in the offseason, to put true competition in the quarterback room. I think Tommy DeVito is going to be given every opportunity to win this job. As I look at it this way. As long as he doesn't screw it up, he's going to start. But Garrett Schrader is going to play. I don't think you go through this with other options out there. And, and Syracuse, to their credit, was one of the better fits for Schrader. He had been recruited prior. And here's the thing with the transfer portal, right? Like people that still think maybe the transfer portal is not such a good idea. I mean, how about some of those women's basketball players, by the way, that had to put up with Coach Q and his nonsense? You think they didn't want the the transfer portal if they were being targeted and and being told you can't use your inhaler and some of these other things from Coach Q? But I, I won't get back into that. You have options. You can play the market, right? Syracuse was the choice where Garrett Schrader felt he could play. Not, I'm going to give the old college try, go in there and compete for that job, and hopefully it all works out for the best. That's what he will say, and that's what I expect him to say, and that's what I expect Dino to say. Thanks, Brent. You're welcome, Coach. That's what I expect Tommy DeVito to say, because that's what they say. But he's going to be on that field. And by the way, I think that's smart. I think when you're a 1-10 in 10 football team, what should be off the table? Why would you limit yourself? You have a quarterback that we know can move, that can scramble, that can make plays, that can throw off the defense. Now, I've had varying opinions on this over the years. I just don't think you can make a blanket statement that if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. That's not always true. Sometimes you look, you're like, ooh, we got two quarterbacks. Ultimately, someone wins the job, wins over the team, becomes the one you trust in a big moment. That, I think, works out organically. Certain teams have higher priorities and can't mess with that. You know, Jalen Hurts, once upon a time, was a backup quarterback, transferred and became one of the biggest names in the sport, right? That can happen when you have an attraction of talent to the levels of Alabama and Clemson and the big-time programs. This is the deepest quarterback room Syracuse has had under Babers. And that includes the Dungy-DeVito dynamic. I mean, top to bottom, some guys that have got experience and could develop into, into pretty good quarterbacks. They're both going to play. And I think they both should play. I think you're smart to integrate Garrett Trader into the game plan. And look, it's hard to fool defensive coaches. Like, you see another quarterback run on the field, you know what's happening. But it's got to be one of those, you may think you know what's happening, and try and stop it. I like that mentality. Trickery, pulling the wool over the eyes, that works once or twice a game. It's just we line up our Joes versus yours. What do coaches say all the time? Our, our Joes and X's and O's and all those things. I don't know. I'm getting lost in all kinds of cliches. But it's true. Garrett Schrader is a weapon. Garrett Schrader is somebody who, now I want to be cautious about this because I do remember the Drew Allen days and some other players that were brought in and were the next best thing, but I'm pretty confident he's not on that level. I'm pretty confident that one way or the other, he will turn out to be an asset for this team 
and will get on the field. Now, to bet that the the backup quarterback is going to get on the field for Syracuse football, that's a smart investment because it's happened like every year for the last decade in some way, shape, or form. I believe somebody checked me on this. I'm pretty certain, though, that the last quarterback that just went start to finish, not counting garbage time, that went start to finish without a significant injury causing the backup to come in was Ryan Nassib. I'm pretty certain I'm right about that. But double-check me. Certainly Dungey got knocked out a lot. We know DeVito's had some injury issues. Dungey came in for Terrell Hunt, who got knocked out of, a, what was that, the third game of that season. Like, it's just been the the cycle there. We've seen it happen. You know, Greg Paulus is brought in for a year, and we, Drew Allen, where is he today? The ridiculously good-looking Drew Allen, where, where is he these days? And that's smart. That's what you do. You foster competition. And, you know, this to me is a win-win in a lot of ways for Dino and for Sterling Gilbert, who you guys know I'm, I'm still, I want to be fair. They brought in Schrader. Maybe they'll throw to the tight end this year. Don't get me going on that. But I wasn't really, and again, it's Dino's offense. Gilbert was brought in because he's in lockstep with Dino. It's the same philosophy with Dino. He had to replace a coach, and he was a great candidate to do it. Love Tony White's system. Love Tony White as a coach. Love the three three five. Love the instant impact of that. It's a defense that players are attracted to, that they want to play in, that gets results. What more could you ask for? And now you had a whole spring. Think about the limited three three five they played in last year. New defense, new coordinator. Remember, there was another guy that came in, and that didn't work out. So Tony was the guy that came in after the guy. And that whole debacle, in a limited period of time with no spring ball, three practices then, pandemic, learning, Zoom sessions, all that, that defense made some plays. Who didn't walk away from last season saying, great hire, great defense, love what I'm seeing there. And if you didn't, you're just hard to satisfy, particularly with how much complaining you did about the prior defense and the prior defensive coordinator. The offense, yeah, you got to sell me on this, which you shouldn't have to because that was the whole thing about Dino and Orange is the new fast and, you know, you blink an eye, it's six years, and offense is not the story here anymore. But it can be. It can be with Garrett Schrader. It can be if the best of – Putting him in that room brings out the best of Tommy DeVito. Gets his timing back. Has a healthy offensive line. Deep running game. Taj Harris becomes a weapon beyond what he even is now, but just really develops into a true number one target. The spread out of the offense. Throwing to the tight end. Gonna say it again because I'm going to talk it into ex- I'm going to talk that into existence. <laughs> that they will give the football to the tight end. Going to happen. Please. But they've given up 88 sacks over the last two years. Because every week there's a new offensive line. they got to put those little tags on their shirt. Hello, my name is, oh, hello, you're the left tackle this week. Nice to meet you. Can't have that and have a functioning offense. 88 sacks the last two years. That's that's not good. That's, it like leads the country. That's yowza. But... Of the super six that Dino cites, five of them are in the trenches. 
and are pretty darn good. Some on offense, some on defense. But that's what wins games. That's what gets you to where you need to be. That's what helps you recover from a 1-10 season. When you have consistency in the trenches, when you have production at key positions, when you have, I think, what will be a good defensive line, stability at the linebacker position, which hasn't been the case, it seems, here in five, six years, feels like the same thing. Every year we're like, oh, hello, you're the linebackers. Nice to meet you. Secondary got dinged by, can you imagine if all those guys came back? You got Cisco, you got Trill Williams out there, you got Iffy Melanfon on one side, Garrett Williams on the other. I mean, just, that's a defense. That's a secondary. That's, but hey, credit to them. They all are in NFL camps as we speak. If you with Detroit, Cisco's got to come back and, and get healthy, but we'll have every opportunity to be a contributor with Jacksonville. Trill Williams has been turning heads in Miami camp. Garrett Williams, who's on this team, no relation to Trill, of course, he could be the best of the bunch. There's talent out there. There's playmakers out there. There's reason for me to look out there and say, this team can can do some damage. And by damage, I mean win six games. Right? Because I, I think by all measures, ultimately, and this is – an evolving, flowing conversation. That's the beauty of camp before we get to that first game at Ohio. But at this point, like, there's a lot of caveats there. There's a lot of what-ifs here, but I'm not going to talk myself into this team being something beyond the the pale of expectation because that's where you fall in a trap here. But by golly, they can be pretty good. I was asked this on Packer and Durham this morning, and Packer stole my my answer. This shout out to Pack, by the way, who's back. He's healthy. He was out a little bit, had uh, COVID, but he is uh, returned. Sounds healthy, and it was great to see him this morning. But he asked me, so what's the import, most important game on the schedule? They've been kind of asking people they've had on about that. They've had coaches on, and really getting that football conversation going. He said it before I could, but truly, my answer was the first game. And I know that sounds like a, a can cliche coach's answer, but you lose to Ohio on the road, like recovering from that ain't going to be easy. And I don't want to hear it's the first game of the year because you're going to have a whole lot of people who throw their hands up and be like, I'm done. No, come on. You, you, you did what? You went on the road and lost to Ohio, which could happen. It's a Mac team, not an easy place to go. But that's the most important game. You got to set the tone. Rutgers could go either way. By golly, you got to beat Albany. I'm not kidding about that, by the way. I don't know how I'll do that because I kind of have to talk Syracuse football on this radio station and write columns about them and here on QSportsTalk.com and Twitter. But they lose to Albany. Like, just shut it down. Just shut it down. But they won't. Right? Right, guys? Right? Lose to Albany, are you? And then Liberty, we know, is better, has got a great quarterback and in a short period of time is all of a sudden become a grab a permanent marker, put the L in there. You go three and one in non-conference. Basically what you bought yourself is more time. The fans will look at it and say, okay, all right, I'm with you. ACC is not going to be easy. A lot of great quarterbacks in the league this year, and you're still up against it. They will not buy the fool's gold, but they'll hang with you. Like, okay, did your job. You went three and one putting aside all the possibilities of injuries and things that could just throw this plan to hell. 
But the start of this conversation, where I'll end it here because we've got to get to our friend Michael Lair coming up from Dayton, both of those quarterbacks are going to get on the field by design. We'll see if I'm right or wrong about that one. And I know how much you guys love to tell me how wrong I am. Funny how you never remember when Uncle Brent is right. Right, Stephen A? Stay off the weed! Back with the voice of Bayheim's Army, Michael Lair next.